You know, over the past few weeks, we have been talking about the Holy Spirit in our teaching time. And, and this morning, we're going to wrap up this small series um, by looking, to, uh, looking at some of the questions that some of you may have submitted uh, over the course of the past couple weeks. And so we had about seven or eight questions that were, were, were handed in. And this morning, we're actually going to look at four of them. And I say four of them because I've kind of combined a few questions here and there. And one of the questions we, we actually addressed quite well last week. And so we've got four questions that will kind of frame our, our, our time together this morning. Um, but as I sat down on Monday to look at these questions, I honestly found myself saying, who on earth thought this was a good idea? <laughs> and the reason is, as I sat down and looked at these questions, I thought, man, this is one of those topics where you know, wherever you might be sitting, wherever you might have come from, we could have different answers and perspectives on what we're going to talk about. And there are different conversations, various conversations, and when it comes to Christian theology, understanding our faith that, that have this. They're, they seem to be uh, things where we can think differently, whether it's on how did God create the world, or how do we understand, read and understand the book of Revelation. I mean, we could have some very thorough and, you know, hot conversations here if we want to, and, you know, this topic could be one of them where, you know, I might say something today, they're like, I don't agree with you. And um, we might just have to be kind of okay with that because this is one of those conversations where we could go a couple different ways. And so uh, I just figured I need to name that out front, out front this morning. Um, and I also wanted just to draw out two quick things that I think that this conversation this morning illustrates for us. The first is that there is diversity in how Christians think about the elements of the Christian faith, various elements of the Christian faith. This is just one of those things. And while this morning we won't have time to unpack all the different perspectives on some of the questions that will be asked, I am going to try to at least highlight that, hey, some people think this way and some people think that way. We won't have time to go in depth, but I think it's worth highlighting uh, that there are different perspectives. And it's important for us to keep in mind that there are people who know and love Jesus who think differently than we do on a whole variety of things, and that we ought to be wise enough to, to realize that our way of thinking might not be the right one. So there's some humility that needs to be a part of these conversations. And the second thing is that theology is something that we can grow in and we can explore. Yeah, there are some things that have some very clear answers, but there's a lot more things like how we understand how exactly the Holy Spirit is at work in our lives at various points in time that can illustrate that how our thinking on something might change. That based on new information or as we look at a piece of scripture and we see it in a new way or we have an experience that shapes us uh, in a way that we didn't think was possible, that we might come to new conclusions, conclusions that previously we w wouldn't have even entertained. And let me also say that just because, you know, we explore something doesn't mean that we need to accept it. That we have the ability to explore ideas, to look at them and say, oh, okay, I, let me, I don't know what I think about this. Let me explore it. Let me think about it without necessarily uh, think, taking that exploration as meaning that that's the thing that we have to put in our pocket and make it a part of our system. And so that might apply to some of what we're talking about this morning. And let me acknowledge that that last one might be unsettling for some of us. That the prospect of entertaining and exploring, you know, our, our system of how we understand God and the world and the scripture, that could be unsettling because for some of us, the way that we have understood our faith is if you ask one question, the whole thing might fall apart. And if that's you, you're not alone. Okay, and we want to be, I want to acknowledge that and I want to be gentle. The whole point is not to like shake you down to your foundations. That's not the point. But that growing and exploring faith 
and our theology is a part of what I think it means to be growing as followers of Jesus. All right, so that's the preamble. Let's get into a couple of questions. Some of the questions, they aren't short questions. People wrote like mini paragraphs. And that was kind of fun. All right. I did kind of like condense a few of them. Uh, there were, some of them had a bunch of dot, dot, dots in there. As you could tell, people were kind of thinking out loud. And that's good. So the first one is, it starts like this. From the reading I've done, the Holy Spirit should really be considered our right arm or left if you're a lefty. Appreciate that. Uh, but since becoming a Christian 30 years ago, it seems like he's more like our appendix. Considering his crucial role in our lives, why is he not mentioned on a regular basis? Why are we rowing the boat and not relying on the power of the outboard motor? I love the various images that are part of this, eh? Like outboard motors, the wrong arm, the appendix. Like, this is great. I like that. Um, and I, I want to thank the person who submitted this question. I don't know who submitted these questions, but I want to thank the person who submitted this question because uh, I think they get at the heart of why we're spending this time exploring and talking about the Holy Spirit because uh, for a variety of reasons, the Holy Spirit can be forgotten or, or ignored by many Christians, maybe because we just don't know what to do with the Holy Spirit. And so that's sort of been a part of why we've set this time, of, time aside over the last few weeks to talk about the Holy Spirit. Now, there's a whole variety of reasons why we might ignore the Holy Spirit or set him aside, but here's just a couple things that came to mind as I was thinking about this this week. The first is that we don't focus on the Spirit because maybe we're afraid of being seen as a fanatic. Maybe that's why we don't focus on the Holy Spirit. I think I mentioned last week, I grew up in a church tradition that didn't really emphasize the Holy Spirit much. We, we, and as a church tradition, I don't think that we are very well known for displaying um, enthusiasm and excitement and passion. Very stoic people, my church family growing up. And, uh, and then I went and I visited a friend's church. And then that Sunday evening service, there were people speaking in tongues and people falling over. And my like, teenage self was like, what on earth is going on here? I don't understand. I was way outside my comfort zone. And to tell you the truth, I think that this is why what some of us are afraid of. I think this is why some of us have maybe chosen to ignore the Holy Spirit. Because we're afraid that if we encounter the Holy Spirit, he might make us weird. And in the process, we are missing out. Another possible reason is we don't understand the Spirit because the Spirit is hard to conceive. It's hard to think about. We talked about this a bit last week. We can have a frame of reference for God the Father and God the Son, and we can create a mental picture in our minds, but, but the Holy Spirit can seem rather abstract. And because it's ab the Holy Spirit can seem abstract and even impersonal, and we tried to talk a bit about that last week, about the Holy Spirit being personal, but because the Holy Spirit can seem abstract, we might not engage the Holy Spirit, and because we don't engage the Holy Spirit, we miss out on the benefits of the Holy Spirit being a part of our lives. And third, we, we don't recognize the Holy Spirit because, you know what, a lot of what the Holy Spirit does is inside us. It's often quiet. It's often in the background, and often we don't notice that the Holy Spirit's been doing something until after the fact, and so because of that, because it's maybe the work of the Spirit can be harder to identify, maybe we're just unaware of the Spirit's presence. Now, maybe a piece of homework for you later on is to think, hey, have I been ignoring the Holy Spirit? Have I not been paying attention to the Holy Spirit? Maybe I don't know much about the Holy Spirit. And ask yourself, why? Why is that? Because I'm sure you could come up with your own sort of reason for maybe if you're somebody who feels like, hey, I don't really feel like I have a handle on the Holy Spirit. Well, maybe there's something, there's something there. But the reality is, and this kind of gets at the question the person asked or the way the person phrased this question, is that in not paying attention to the Holy Spirit, we are missing out on a valuable daily resource as followers of Jesus. 
And so my hope is that this series is just a, a, a small way of, of, of having a corrective and that uh, to this deficiency is that we are, as a result, paying a little bit more attention to the Holy Spirit in our day-to-day lives. Now, our, our next question is a really a summary of two questions that were asked. When exactly does someone receive the Holy Spirit? What does that mean? And what about the baptism of the Spirit? Yeah, okay. So this is where, this is one of those ones where I could get in a whole lot of atata, and, uh, and we might not be in agreement at the end here, and that's, that's okay, okay? That is okay. You know, I've already mentioned earlier that I grew up in this church tradition that didn't really have a, we didn't really do much with the Holy Spirit. But I later on in my theological journey, I found myself working in a church community that did, you know, have, a t- have teachings and, and practices around the Holy Spirit. And I was growing in my awareness of this and, and found a nice church home there for a while. And one day I found myself in a meeting with two denominal, de- denominational leaders whose job it was to assess whether or not I fit theologically in this new church family. And they asked me this question, and after I said my piece, I gave my answer. And by the way, I later got it ordained in this denomination, so they must have liked it to some degree. But after I said my piece, the two of them looked at each other, and then they started to have a debate about what the correct answer actually was. And this right here for me just illustrates that this is one of these questions where Christians, even within the same denominational family, can have different, um, uh, can have different convictions, different expectations, different ways of describing what it is that the Holy Spirit does and how exactly does that happen. And so here, here we go. You know, a few weeks ago, we looked at Acts chapter 2 and we looked at the events of Pentecost. And at Pentecost, there was a group of Jesus' followers who, who Jesus had told. They'd been following Jesus for a long time. Jesus said, go and wait. And they went, and they waited for this period of time. And then the Holy Spirit came in this dramatic moment and they, on the day of Pentecost. And they were filled with tongues, and the people, many people came to follow Jesus as a result. Now, some people have, have, uh, have taken to think that this is the normal pattern of how things work. That we first follow Jesus, first have like some sort of conversion experience, and at a later point we have an encounter with God where we receive the Holy Spirit. And if we keep reading through uh, the book of Acts, there are two other events that happen after Pentecost where that pattern happens. Once again in Acts chapter 8, and again in Acts chapter 10. Now... Well, I respect folks who, who hold that this is the right pattern, okay? That you have this conversion experience, and then at a subsequent time, you have another encounter with the Holy Spirit. I really do struggle with thinking that this is the normal pattern. This is how it's supposed to work for everyone. See, at Pentecost, God is doing something brand new. He's doing something radically new where, you know, here are Jesus' followers who have been following Jesus for a while, and God is sending his presence to, to make them the church, to gift them to do his mission in a very unique, start, first time this is happening way. You know, it's a starting point in a particular moment in time. And in Acts 8 and in Acts 10, if you were to read through and find uh, what I'm referring to, I think that the case could be made that there's something unique happening in both of those situations that that gives a reason for why there is a delayed coming of the Spirit. That That there is this delay because there's an opportunity being created for other people to witness what God is doing. That there are folks who needed to see that those people over there were also recipients of the Holy Spirit and God was working through them. That there was a reason for that delay. Now, to go back to Acts chapter 2, 
After Pentecost, after sorry, the, the, Jesus' followers have the Holy Spirit descend on them and they're speaking in tongues in that big dramatic moment, after that, Peter is preaching a very powerful sermon and he's telling people, uh, he's telling them all about Jesus. And in verse 38 of Acts chapter 2, Peter says this, Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins. And you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. Now, as we read this, there's a sense of immediacy to what Peter's talking about. That as we say yes to Jesus, as we commit ourselves to him, that God is committing himself to us by giving us the Holy Spirit. And this seems to be the pattern that we see throughout most of the New Testament with some minor exceptions. That saying yes to Jesus is accompanied by receiving the Holy Spirit. Now, as we talked about a little bit about last week, uh, the Spirit has been a part of our journey for a long time, since before we were even aware of the Holy Spirit. In fact, the Holy Spirit is who has enabled us to, to come to faith. You know, the Holy Spirit is who awoke, has awakened in us a sense that God is doing something, that God's out there, and that it helps us actually respond to God to say yes to Jesus in the first place. And so it's not like we have zero experience with the Holy Spirit. Before, leading up to whenever this receiving of the Spirit happens. Instead, this receiving of the Spirit, I, I think, is more like us becoming aware of the Spirit's presence with us and us saying yes to the Spirit and saying yes to the, accepting the Spirit's influence in our lives. You know, we've said yes to Jesus, and now we are also saying yes to the ongoing work that the Holy Spirit wants to do in us. And so all-encompassing is what the Holy Spirit wants to do in us that it can be described as baptism in the sense that we are flooded. We are flooded by the Spirit. Like the Spirit comes in waves and, and takes over who we are. And we, it is just so totally all-encompassing. Just like the moment when we were baptized and we are immersed in water. We've been immersed in the power of the Holy Spirit. And for some folks, this is a dramatic experience. While other folks, folks, it is not. Now, our experience with the Holy Spirit is not to be something that is a one and done. It's rather, it's supposed to be something that is continue and ongoing. And in Ephesians chapter 5, as Paul is encouraging uh, Christians to be growing in their practice of what it means to follow Jesus, in verse 18, he says this, Do not get drunk with wine, which leads to debauchery. Instead, be filled with the Spirit. Now, the point of what Paul is making here is, is not so much about whether it's okay or not to, to drink alcohol, but it's about what is influencing us. And the reality is that alcohol can be something, and so can a whole bunch of other things, can be something that influences us to act in ways that does not line up with the life of Jesus. Rather, Paul is directing us and saying, okay, don't let other things be influence you, call the shots. Rather, allow the Holy Spirit to be what influences you. And biblical scholars, as they look at what Paul says about being filled with the Holy Spirit, uh, talk about how the language that Paul uses is not a one-and-done sort of language. Rather, it's something that's ongoing, something that's continuous. It's something that happens day by day, moment by moment, that we are, this instruction to be filled is not something we do once and we check off and we say it's done, but it's something that is continuous. See, as followers of Jesus, we have the opportunity to, to receive the Holy Spirit daily and to give ourselves daily to the Spirit's influence in our lives. All right, let's move on to our third question this morning. How do the more charismatic gifts of the Spirit, i.e. speaking in tongues and prophecy, apply to us today? 
Another easy peasy one. There we go. Um, you know, the gifts that the questioner uh, asks about this morning uh, are gifts that might make us feel uncomfortable because maybe we haven't had much experience with them. Some of us may have, but m- my guess is most of us haven't had many, uh, much experience with this, and it's outside of our comfort zones. Now, to make sure that we're all on the same page, when we talk about tongues, there, we're talking, there, there's two references in, in Scripture, that uh, things that it could be referring to in Scripture. One is what we saw in the book of Acts, where you have people who suddenly have, are given the ability to speak in a language completely different than their own. And uh, in the book of Acts, those people are understood. People are like, whoa, that's my language. I, how do they know that? And they hear about Jesus in that way. Well, in 1 Corinthians, there's another mention of tongues, and this time it's a language that is a, that is a worship language. It's a language about prayer. It's a language about worship. It's about intimacy with God. Now, prophecy, it's mentioned here, is, you know, when we think about prophecy, often we're, we're thinking, like, can you tell me the future? In the Bible, prophecy is less about telling the future and more about, uh, about receiving some, um, dr- some truth, speaking truth that directly comes from God. And of course, we could go into a whole lot more detail on those things, but there are other gifts that would fit these categories, categories of, of what the, uh, the questioner says, charismatic gifts. Um, and we could be including things like healing and miracles and the interpretation of tongues. Uh, again, it's stuff that most of us don't have experience with on a daily basis. Now, the, this question is one that generates a variety of responses. And some folks would say that God gave these gifts into the early church for a very specific purpose of helping the early church get established. And then after a certain time, these gifts stopped existing. And I have friends who would say that these gifts are not around today. And then there are other folks who would point out that these gifts can and they do continue today. That there's no indication in the New Testament that we should expect that any of God's gifts should suddenly stop. That there's like an expiration date on these. And, and if there was, you might expect there would be some prohibitions in Scripture saying that these can't happen. You shouldn't do these things. There are directions for how these things should be used. But there's no prohibition in Scripture to say these don't exist anymore. They shouldn't be practiced. And this would be my perspective as well, that, that the Spirit gives the gifts that are necessary for the church to do the things the church needs to do, and that the Spirit can and does choose to, ex- to give these gifts as a part of what the Spirit does. And that kind of gets at something else as we think about spiritual gifts, whether they be things like tongues or prophecy or gifts of teaching or, or encouragement, is what is the point of spiritual gifts? Well, the point of spiritual gifts is for the building up of the church. It is for the encouragement of us as followers of Jesus and to be building us up so as a community we can do the things that God has called us to do. We can engage in the mission of God. And so the Spirit gives these gifts to people and in times and circumstances when they will help the church, when they will help followers of Jesus do what we're called to do. Now having said this, remember my little Baptist upbringing, okay? If something like this happened, I don't have a whole lot of experience with it. It would catch me off guard. It would be outside of my comfort zone. But I'm warning that humility would suggest that I recognize that, you know, humility would suggest that I remain open to how the Holy Spirit might be working, even if it's outside of my comfort zone, even if it's outside of what I might expect, my experience. You know, to be asking the question, how is God working in this situation? 
is a really good question to ask. And this brings us naturally to another question that was asked today. And this one's another paragraph one, so let me make sure I get my piece of paper here. How do you reconcile feeling the Holy Spirit with intuition or personal preference? I've experienced moments where someone justifies a decision based on what the Holy Spirit told them. How do you know what's the Holy Spirit, and how do you know when it's just what you want? Often it feels like a trump card played. If the Holy Spirit is involved, then you can't challenge it. Man, fantastic question right there again. Now, maybe to get going, let's, let's talk about that trump card comment, because I think that what might comes, come to mind is that we might hear somebody come up to us and say, hey, so God told me that you should do fill in the blank. I can tell you honestly, that does not get the generous, loving side of me coming out, okay? The uh, spiteful side of Josh shows up in those moments, and we'll need to work on that. You know, when I think about moments like this, I think that most of the time what is happening is that what's going on is the other person has genuinely got a sense of God speaking to them or directing them in a way that they believe applies to us, but that individual may lack the maturity to properly express what they've experienced, and what comes across is something that might sound manipulative, in these circumstances, we need to recognize that grace is needed as we understand that somebody else, just like we are growing in our understanding of our faith, that somebody else might be growing in their understanding of their faith. Now, other times, we need to recognize that the Spirit can be, in a sense, weaponized or used as a manipulative tool. And that's not right. That's actually a form of spiritual abuse. And what comes to mind as I think about this is my many camp and Bible college conversations where you heard somebody walk up to somebody else and be like, so God told me that we should date? <laughs> I wish that that was a made-up story, okay? Like, Christian communities do some weird stuff, okay? Uh, I think we should date, and the other person is like, ah, really? If you're smart and somebody says that to you, you can say, well, I need to pray about that too. Or God didn't tell me that. All right. Um, and again, like what, you're in a tough situation because either you come across as, you, know, you might find yourself feeling like, okay, like, am I really going to sound like I'm coming across as going against God? Right? It sounds manipulative. It can be manipulative, especially, you know, hopefully it's just somebody who's, who's immature in their faith. But there can be circumstances where somebody isn't, is, is being manipulative on purpose with, you know, there's something negative going on there. I do think that whenever somebody comes to us with a word from the Lord, that it's not improper for us to pause and to evaluate that for ourselves. To take what they've said, even if the delivery isn't great, and say, God, is there anything in this for me? Is there anything I need to be paying attention to? And that right there is just discernment. And we see this in Scripture. In Acts chapter 17, we see Paul, uh, you know, somebody who has experienced the Holy Spirit, being listened to. He's gone and he's preached about Jesus, and he's, people are listening to him, but then they go home and they reflect on the ideas and thoughts that, that he's taught them before that they will even accept his message. In Acts chapter 17, it says, they received the message with great eagerness and examined the Scriptures every day to see what Paul said, see if what Paul said was true. And you know what, I think that that's a healthy pattern for us that can apply to these circumstances as well, too. That there is wisdom in saying, okay, let me think and pray about this. And to measure it against what we know from Scripture, what we know of God, how God has been speaking to us. 
Now, to get back to the question about how do you know if you are feeling the Holy Spirit versus, you know, it's just what we want. You know, is God telling me I need a cheeseburger or do I just need a cheeseburger, right? And that's a bad example. But, but you know, the question about how do we discern what God's leading versus what we want is, is legitimate. And you've probably wrestled with this yourself. And, you know, this week I was talking about this with Pastor Terry. I said, Terry, how would you answer this question? And he, he reminded me of the Anabaptist value. And we, we were part of a, a church family that is Anabaptist, part of the Anabaptist uh, Christian tradition. And there's this Anabaptist value of discerning God's will together in community. Yes, we believe that we should each come to our own conclusions about, uh, and make our own decisions to follow Jesus. But one of the benefits of being in relationship with other followers of Jesus is that together we can help each other figure out you know, what, how God is leading us. Uh, figure out God's will for our lives versus when it might just be a preference. Or maybe we've just been caught up in, in being influenced by, by other things or other people that, that don't have Jesus stuff in mind. In Acts chapter 15, and I think we talked about this a few weeks ago, but in Acts chapter 15, we read about a time when the early church got together to debate a matter. You know, some folks thought that the Gentile believers, those were those people who weren't born Jewish, that the Gentile believers should, in a sense, become Jewish, that they should be circumcised, that they should practice all the, the, the ritual purity laws. And other folks said, no, I don't think that that's right. And so we got to give them credit. They got together and they had, they had it out. They had a debate. They had a council. And they, they talked about it and they prayed about it and they heard testimony. And together at the end, they came to a conclusion that, and they issued a letter of freeing people from certain Jewish laws. And the letter includes this line. It seems good to the Holy Spirit and to us. It seems good to the Holy Spirit and to us. And then they go on to say, give the instructions coming out of this uh, meeting. You know, I'm absolutely sure that this, this conversation was not a peaceful conversation, that it was very passionate, that there were arguments, that there were people standing up and pounding on tables, because you know what? There are a lot of what was informing their thoughts on this was their own experience. But the result of this conversation was that they were able to come to a conclusion together about how the Spirit was leading them to be a community of faith. You know, for us, when, when understanding what, how the Spirit may be leading us or how we're trying to figure out how is God directing our lives, when, when it's unclear, we have the benefit of being in community and being in relationships with others who can help us sort out what is just a preference uh, versus when it is that God is actually working in our lives and maybe directing us in a certain way. Now, as we sort, out, sort things out, we could ask ourselves some discernment questions. And I've got two for us this morning that are, that are relatively similar. Um, the first is, you know, is what I'm contemplating kind, just, and humble? If we were to read Micah 6, verse 8, it, it talks about how God's desires for his people are that we are kind, that we are just, and we are humble. Is what we are thinking about doing or what we're thinking about engaging, is it kind, just, and humble? Or how about the fruit of the Spirit? We could use the fruit of the Spirit to measure what it is that we're thinking about. You know, how would the fruit of the Spirit found in Galatians chapter 5 show up in what I'm thinking about? Is it loving? Is there peace in it? Is there patience and, and gentleness? Is, it, these are good questions. And, and if there's not, is this really how the Spirit is leading us? And when we have this conversation with other followers of Jesus that we trust... Again, I would, I would say, let's just, you know, it's okay to be choosy about who you have these conversations with. You know, people that you trust, people that you will listen to, that you will heed their wise insight is, is key. 
But when we have these conversations, we can, have a, we can get a sense of how the Holy Spirit is leading us. You know, when I was 18, I found myself wrestling with this odd internal feeling that I'd never had before, and I couldn't quite escape it. And then, I, and then there was these outward affirmations, these people speaking into my life who were saying, hey, maybe you should think about this or thinking about that. And I didn't know what to do with this combination of things. And so I sat down with my friend Ken at McDonald's at River Road in Ottawa here in Kitchener. And I sat down and I, and I, and I basically said, this is everything I'm thinking. This is everything I'm feeling. This is what people are saying to me. Blech. And in that conversation, he was able to identify how God was at work and directing me in ways that I wasn't able to identify myself. And that conversation was one of those ones where, he said, where I came to the conclusion that looking at professional ministry might be something that I should, I should look into. It was something that previously I thought was too out there. Why on earth would anybody do that? I still have those days sometimes. But it was, but it was something, but there, was a, there was clearly something where God was at work and I needed the help of somebody else to identify because I didn't have the clarity myself to be able to, to work through this. Folks, you know, often our emotions and, and our thinking are cloudy. We're sometimes too close to situations or we, we, have the, we don't have the ability to see our own lives with objectivity. And we would be wise to, to remember that the Spirit works in community and that there are wonderful people in our lives already who can help us discern what, when what is speaking to us is God and to be able to identify the Spirit's voice or when what is influencing us is not from God and not from the Spirit. Now, as we close this morning, I just want to re remember the first question that was asked, which is basically, you know, why do we, you know, which basically the questioner said is, why do we live our lives as if the Holy Spirit doesn't exist? And my hope is that that wouldn't be the case for you, for me, for, for us as a community, that we would be growing in our understanding of the Spirit and our experience with the Holy Spirit and, and, and that going forward, well, if we aren't doing this already, that we're going forward, we would make space each day to say, God, would you help me be aware of how your Spirit is at work in my life? Holy Spirit, help me to listen to your voice. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we will again, want to once again say thank you for who you are. We want to say thank you for that you come to us and that you are God with us. And we celebrate that at Christmas with Jesus and on Pentecost we continue to celebrate it, that the, your spirit is with us each and every day. Lord, we confess that often we forget that you are with us, that you're, we, we ignore your spirit. And Lord, we ask this morning that you would just give us an, uh, an awareness, a unique and specific awareness of how you are with us and that, that, Lord, we would grow in our understanding of what your voice sounds like. Lord, sometimes discerning what comes from you and what comes from others is hard. And Lord, we get these things confused all the time. Lord, would you give us the humility to be able to go to others? And Lord, when we are the the, the the individual who's given the opportunity to speak into somebody else's life, Lord, would you give us a sensitivity to how you are at work in our friends, our, our family members' lives in, in special ways, Lord, that we, we might be a part of how you are at work. Lord Jesus, we again thank you for today, and we look forward to what's, what's going, coming our way in the week that's ahead. May we be mindful of you. In your name we pray. Amen.